The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Today I wanted to talk about something, and it, it came about in a, a different way. I wrote a sermon called Christ is Lord Over All, and I was loving it. I had all my studying and my texts. Everything had been worked out and worked through, and then God concurrently was putting something else on my heart and it was a theme that I have already been studying for the past few weeks I've been I study different themes from time to time and this particular theme is around the concept of vulnerability how to become a vulnerable person is it a good thing to be a vulnerable person and I posted up and asked my friends to complete a sentence on Facebook I, I said complete this sentence I felt most vulnerable when dot 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 and some of the responses uh, were lighthearted, which is to be expected on social media, but some of them were very intense. Uh, some of them were maybe common situations to you. Some people felt vulnerable when they had to open up about a financial situation or difficulty. Some people were vulnerable, multiple people, when they had to share the things that they had done in their past with others. They felt vulnerable in that moment, sharing with someone. Others felt vulnerable when they went back to work, when they confessed their sins, one person said that they felt most vulnerable when they read this post. Some felt vulnerable when beginning treatment for cancer. Maybe you're something like me and, and you don't like the feeling of vulnerability. It's very simple. If you don't know what vulnerable means, it means capable of being wounded, either physically or emotionally. And I don't think that's something that we necessarily jump into with excitement. But it's a theme that runs through the Bible, starting in the very first story. This idea of vulnerability comes right out of the gate. When Adam and Eve fall from God, when they choose to go another way that's not with God, and it says they noticed that they were naked, so they covered themselves up by sewing fig leaves together. They felt nakedness and shame. One of the comments on my post said, someone wrote, they felt vulnerable when they noticed their zipper was down. Isn't that just like vulnerability, that moment where you don't feel safe, we feel like what has happened, things are out of my control, I feel like I could potentially be hurt. Well, vulnerability is being capable of being physically or emotionally wounded. The key word in that definition is capable. And I'm going to argue today that vulnerability is something that God wants out of all of us, and only through Jesus Christ can we actually experience true intimacy that flows out of our ability to be vulnerable in what God is doing in our life. It's, it's difficult for me to say some of these things, but I want, I want you to think about I want you to think about your own life right now. I want you to think about your marriage. I want you to think about your parenting. I want you to think about your kids. Maybe you're a single person. I want you to think about how you interact with others. One thing that I've been learning more and more over the years is that if you want to be truly loved by someone, you have to be open to that person. Whenever I do pre-marriage counseling for people, I tell them something that sounds very graphic and very serious, but it's the only way that I can communicate to get the point across. When you step into a marriage relationship, what you are doing effectively is you're taking a gun, a, a metaphorical gun, you're putting it right at your heart, and you're placing their finger on the trigger, and you're saying, I'm banking on the fact that you will not pull that trigger and destroy and crush my soul. That's essentially what a marriage is. And unfortunately, so many marriages end up with people who are let into someone's life, and then they wreak havoc in there. 
vulnerability, if you want to experience true love and intimacy, if you want to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden where they had no shame, where nothing was between Adam and Eve, nothing was between them as a couple and God, it was 100% openness. And in those moments, we can actually experience greater and deeper love and intimacy than we can in our fallen and broken world. Because nowadays, we've done what happens in the Bible. We begin to cover up the things that we're ashamed of. We begin to hide the areas of our life that we think others will not accept us for. We begin to take the things in our past and we stuff them so far back and we hope nobody can dig in our closet deep enough to find out what's going on back there. We're afraid that if somebody sees us for who we were or who we are, then how could they possibly like us any longer? That's the thing with vulnerability. It does hurt when someone comes in and wreaks havoc. So how do we process this as followers of Jesus? What does it look like when you think about our relationship with God in connection to a marriage relationship? Because that's one of the themes throughout Scripture. And the theme in Scripture, this, this part is definitely not for the kids. God uses very intense language when he talks about the people, uh, his people being his bride and he being the groom. God says of Israel in certain parts, you have played the part of, a, let me use a more appropriate word in case kids are around, a harlot. You have given yourself to other passerbys. And I should be the person that you love. I should be the one that you pursue. This is very simple. When, when God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, he's not just saying to exert a force outward. It has to be with something that you open up inward. For you to say, I will let someone in. And maybe if you're like me, you've been hurt by people that you've let in before. If I'm being honest, I think the reason why God told me to put that other sermon on hold and, and talk about this concept of vulnerability is because of where I'm at. Feeling vulnerable and not wanting to open up. This virus has given me every excuse in the world to simply focus on me. This virus has given us as believers every excuse in the world to be selfish, self-preserving focused, and to not be what God has called us to be. To not make ourselves vulnerable to love others well, to not make ourselves vulnerable to be authentic before others. I, I was thinking about the story of Peter in this concept of vulnerability. Peter made himself very vulnerable. Jesus called him right out of his, his vocation, and he jumped right out. That's vulnerable. If any of you have left a job and gone to another job, it's scary. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to be good at the new job, if it's going to be too difficult for you. You could be in over your head. Peter jumped out of his vocation, the only one that he had known, and began following a religious teacher. And then what happens with Peter is interesting. He begins following Jesus with a crew of guys, and they begin to talk about, over the years, who is the best? Who is the most important? And they begin arguing about who is the greatest and who will sit next to the right hand of Jesus when they go to this new kingdom that he was talking about. That's, that's putting up that front. That's trying to be the best or appear better than you are. God comes for those of us who are weak. There's a whole part in the Beatitudes where it talks about the type of person that God pursues. 
that God is going to come after and bless those who are hunger and th- hungry and thirsty for righteousness. God is going to bless the meek. God is going to bless those people who are seeking after him, who are lowly. And over and over again in the Bible, the people who are cast out, the people who have vulnerability forced on them, those are the ones that God reaches his hand out to. And I don't know if, if you're anything like the position that I've been in, but man, I've been, I've been trying my best, I think, to hide. I've been trying to hide behind what I do rather than remember who I am in Jesus. You see, it's easy. It's easy for us as pastors and for us as followers of Jesus to play the part externally. It's easy for us, especially when no one else is really seeing you because you're cooped up in your house all the time. Maybe your wife knows or your husband knows or your kids know. But when's the last time that you asked yourself, you know, am I tired of running on this treadmill? Am I tired of of doing what Peter did where initially I came to Christ and I was excited to follow, but then I started figuring out and I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be better than others. I played the comparison game. I played the achievement game. I played the inauthentic, show my best side of myself game. Because what happens to Peter is tragic. We know the story when when Jesus was going toward the cross, uh, the week of, Peter said, I would never, I would never leave you, Lord. And of course, he denies Jesus three times. We have all denied Jesus far more than three times. Not in the same fashion, perhaps, but in the way that we've leaned on someone else, the way that we've trusted something else other than Jesus to be our sense of worth and security and forgiveness and sacrifice. We've done this. And Jesus, Jesus made sure that he went back to Peter again when Peter was at his most vulnerable, when he had let pride carry him all the way through denial up until the point where he was broken. Jesus, in that moment, came to him. And Jesus sat with the beach, sat in the beach with him and ate breakfast. And, and on that beach, Peter had denied him three times and Jesus asked him, do you love me three times? Jesus was undoing Peter's shame. See, the difficult part about being vulnerable is that it opens us up to a world of judgment from others. It opens us up to being shamed. It opens us up to others seeing things in our life that we would rather them not see. Now, there's a difference. There's a difference that I think is key for us to, to take away is that shame, shame is, is feeling bad about who we are versus guilt, which is feeling bad about something we have done. And some of you know this distinction very well. Some of you feel this. Some of you, your self-talk in your mind is, I am a bad person. I am a failure. I am not good enough. Some of you in your mind uh, are more of the guilty types. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that again. But guilt and shame are closely linked together. I'm asking you to do one thing today, to think about how vulnerable you can be first to God. This is the same God who in Romans 5.8 tells us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's not just a church phrase. That means while you were in the worst of the worst of the worst of your moral states, God said, that's when I died for you. And I, if you are a chapel family member, you've heard me say this so many times. At your lowest, darkest moment, God looked at you then and said, I love you right there. That's where I'm dying for you. I'm not dying for the future you that will look shiny. I'm dying for the swamp, sucked in, death-ridden, sin-oriented you that wants nothing to do with me. While you were my enemy, I died for you. It's what Jesus came to do. And what makes this so beautiful 
is that we have, as followers of Jesus, a starting point. We have a starting point to say, I can open up to you, God. I can admit to you all that I am because you already know it. And for some of you, that's going to be a huge step. For some of you, the shame from, from something that happened in your past, opening up to even God will make you feel so vulnerable. You'll wonder if, he is, if he's going to smite you, if he's going to take your life in that moment. And a promise that I have from Scripture is this, that the blood of Jesus Christ pays for all sins. And when he bled out for you and for me, there is no sin outside of the bounds of his forgiveness if you come to him by faith, if you receive the gift that he gave us on the cross. Now, this idea of vulnerability with God, I think that is going to be easy for some of us who have been in the church for a long time. But then what about vulnerability with others? What about going to that person who you've wronged and making that confession? I think that there are things in your life, there are things in my life that we've been hiding. And if we want true intimacy with one another, we need to learn to be vulnerable with each other. As the family of God is a part in this time and we're in our homes around this county, I'm just so concerned that it gives us an opportunity to hide things. It gives us an opportunity to put ourselves first and not God first. The psalmist said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I may behold his beauty, that I may dwell in his temple. I think we've gotten too accustomed to our safety to our ability to not suffer, to our comfort. We've given ourselves over to these other ways of living and we've forgotten that our relationship with God is like that of a vulnerable marriage. He wants us to be vulnerable with him and he made himself, amazingly, vulnerable to us. All the areas where we could not fulfill and succeed, Jesus stepped in. He made himself capable of being physically wounded on our behalf, emotionally wounded on our behalf, betrayed on our behalf. Of course, all of the other parts are amazing, that he was loved, that he was adored, that he was worshipped by the people that followed him. And he could have carried on like that, but he chose to become the example of vulnerability, the suffering servant for you and for me, so that we could be brought into this family free from the fear of what others think, free from the anxiety that life is out of control, free from the thought that a virus could kick the church off its tracks. In the church today, it's, it's just so different. We, we think of churches, the time that we gather here on Sundays, and this virus has obviously derailed that thought. for more than 100 years now, we've called it that. Let's go to church. Let's go to church. We can't go to church. We are the church. And we've substituted vulnerable, authentic, intimate relationships for a one-hour-a-week gathering. The people in the church when it was first being born, they did incredible things. They shared their life. And if I'm being honest, the thought of me sharing my life with some of you is terrifying. It'd be terrifying for some of you to share your life with me or another. And I don't just mean have a meal from time to time. I mean sit down and, and you open up the scars and you say, this is who I am. This is me, 100%. I, I'm not going to hide anything else, take it or leave it. The early church did that with their emotions 
with their past because Jesus had died for it, with their present struggles because Jesus was filling them with the power of the Spirit to overcome it. They, they shared with their possessions because they didn't want anyone within the family of Christ to have need. They shared with their gifts so that they could build one another up. And they did this over and over and over again. And we're content to call church one hour a week. In the book of James, James is a hard hitter, a half-brother of Jesus. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it is without reason that the scripture says the spirit he has made to dwell in us envies intensely? I want, I want you to think about this. I'm going to keep looking at this camera because I need you to, to, to see my expression. Um, we are in a relationship with God. And so many of us, including myself, have opened up our lives to enough of the comforts of this world, to enough of the ways of this world, that, and we forget that God is an envious God. He's a jealous God. He wants what is his. He wants you and I because we're his. If we can't be vulnerable with God, we don't understand the way that he sees us. If, if we can't learn to become vulnerable with others, and I don't mean you pour out your life to everyone. I mean you find those first trusted few and, and you might get hurt. I've been hurt. I've been burned. Some of you have been burned and hurt. We call it church hurt. But if you don't have that in your life, if you don't have that person you could be vulnerable to, then all you're doing is floating on an island. And that's what we're doing right now. For all of the good that is coming of this moment, I fear that it is programming our minds to think that, well, I used to only go to church one hour a week anyway, now I can do it from the comfort of my home. It is impossible to love others from the comfort of your home unless they're coming over or you're going to them. The Bible calls us to be people of love, which means to be people of vulnerability, people of authenticity. I really wanted to preach a sermon that was about Christ being sovereign over all and talking about evangelism. But God put this in my heart, this feeling and sensation and thought as I walked through Scripture that we are too long now have not been walking as vulnerable people. And I'm not saying you and me, because many of you I know have vulnerable relationships, but I'm saying the church as a whole. And it's time we have a moment right now where we can reevaluate what does a church gathering look like when we come back? What does it look like to be with people truly? To not prioritize Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30, but to prioritize the group of people that we walk with. To not prioritize just the things that we can serve around this building, but to prioritize the people that we are loving outside of this building. I have nothing against this building. I love it. We're renovating it for the kids. It's going to be incredible. But what would it look like if this finally for the first time in my life of ministry, if this Sunday gathering became not the primary purpose of what we call church, but the secondary joy that we get to experience. And the primary purpose is you and me opening our lives up in ways that are terrifying so that we can truly be loved by others. God loves you right where you are. God has paid for everything that you've struggled with in the past and the things you're struggling with right now and what you will struggle with in the future. God knows the skeletons in your closet and he has forgiven you. Some of you, some of you still have not forgiven yourselves. 
How could you possibly enter into an open, vulnerable, loving, authentic relationship with the church family? You can't forgive yourself. Look deep into the cross this week. Get into this word this week. Don't take my word for it, but just plow through this. We have so much time to read this. Last night, God woke me up, and I just started reading. I couldn't help it. And it's not every night for me, but man, with all the time I look over the past month and a half that I've wasted, it makes me sick to my stomach. What if we just became people who more and more looked at what God has done for us and we press into this like brothers and sisters that we are? That's all I really wanted to share with you this morning. The good news is that God will see through our lack of vulnerability with others and with him. He'll see the way we try to hide sins, even from ourselves. He sees us do the same thing Adam and Eve did. When they were naked and ashamed, they tried to create their own covering. And if you're not familiar with that story, they covered themselves with leaves, but God said, I need to make you a covering. Only the covering that I make for your shame, for your brokenness, will last. And that was setting us on the path to having Jesus become the sacrifice for us, for our eternity. His, his death for ours. I pray that you would press in this week. That we would see God as more than just, you know, we call this church. I mean, this, is, this could not be less church than anything. I do get to see the stream team each week and we share moments, which has been amazing. But maybe today you just start with your spouse or your best friend and you, you just start confessing things and saying, I, I trust that you're going to be the one I can confess to and be loved at the other end. I trust that you'll be the one that, that reflects what Jesus is like toward me. It's going to be hard, family. But if we're going to come back from this and be the family of God that God has called us to be, if we're going to push back the darkness in this world, we're going to push it back. The Bible says we will be known by our love for one another. We can't love each other if we don't know each other. So let's know each other. Would you please pray with me? God, I am I'm just tired, Lord. You woke me up early and put things on my mind. And I, God, I was frustrated with you earlier this week when you told me to, to go away from the sermon that I I wanted to preach and teach and have me just dialogue about this topic. Lord, I don't want to be vulnerable because it is terrifying. But I know that being vulnerable to you and to others you have put in my life is a way to find freedom and joy that I can't get any other way. I know that being vulnerable and open with you and with others in my life, Lord, is, is a way that, that we can all have the shackles of anxiety unclicked from our wrists. Lord, being open and in loving relationships with people who are supportive and Christ-centered is a way that we can find our worth in what you've done for us because it still amazes me, Lord, that you would look, Lord, it amazes me that you would look at us, that you'd look at me, that you'd look at the guys around me here in this room, that you would look at those people watching in their couches, that you would look at us in our worst moments and say, I choose to love you. I can't fathom, Lord. Your love is so grand. Help us to be gripped by this. Help us when we come back in person to not settle for the way things were. To not settle for people who can say, it's fine, I'm fine, Sunday after Sunday. I pray that we would put that away, Lord, and be a genuine, gritty family that I know we are. 
I pray that honesty and truth would reign supreme here. I pray that we would be full of microchurch families where vulnerability could be a real potential, Lord, where people could bring their dark things there and find your grace and truth at the other end. Lord, maybe I'm just this way because I'm tired and hungry, but you've been driving this into my heart to not waste this. Lord, I don't want to waste the changes that this COVID pandemic has given us the ability to have. To learn what we need and don't need. I pray that there would be no excuse for people who want to just stay home and watch services from here on out, Lord, that they would see the need to be the family, to be open. And I know, Lord, for those who have been hurt, I pray that you would bring healing. God, I've found no great mystery balm that could heal my pains when I was betrayed by those in the church. I don't know if there is one, God. I do know this. No matter how much I get hurt, you, you've never hurt me. You were hurt for me. No matter how much I've been betrayed, you've never betrayed me, but you were betrayed for me. No matter how much I felt beaten and attacked, you've never beaten or attacked me, but you were beaten and attacked for me. So I thank you. Lord, change this family, the chapel family. Just please let your spirit press in Make this chapel family one that that you're not jealous of because we've chased after other things that this world has tried to lure us away with. Let this chapel family be one that you that you empower with your spirit to grow and to bring your good news to the needing, the hurting, the poor, the outcast. Let the world see our love for one another. In Jesus' name.